Hey, good morning this morning. Welcome. It is Don't At Me. I am Dan Dockich, and it is a beautiful day here in Indianapolis. I know I got a lot of listeners from Indianapolis, so get outside, roll around in the grass. You know what we do on a day like this, baby. You know. Hey, uh, we got a monster. In my vernacular, a monster means we got a show of shows. We got something that is just, I don't know, off the chain, yo. Tim Doyle came on a few weeks ago, and Timmy D is a, uh, well, former player at Northwestern and broadcaster, broadcaster extraordinaire, Big Ten Network, now CBS. He's going to come on and give you picks, talk a little NBA, talk a little college basketball, talk a little Final Four. Mike Bray is going to join us, the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish member. Mike Bray got himself started where? At Duke, out of DeMatha High School. He went on Mike Krzyzewski's first staffs and killed it, went to Delaware, and now he is at Notre Dame. Got a lot to get to today in the NFL, so who better than Jonathan Hutton to join us? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm all kind of fired up today because we got a monster, and uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in sports. I I reiterate, I don't want Sister Geraldine telling me about sex when I'm in third grade. Neither do you. Don't at me with that either, people. What a great conversation yesterday with Allison Williams. See, that's why I wanted out of ESPN, and I started begging Clay for a job. Because meaningful conversations are important to me. Look, I know I can call a basketball game better than anybody in the country. I mean, what the hell? That's like, I could I could literally close my eyes and tell you what happened in a basketball game, but this stuff is fun. We're going to get in. It's a lot of sports today. Uh, tomorrow, maybe we'll get into something else, but today, 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 I got a lot of deportes for you starting. All right, look, if Tiger Woods plays in a golf tournament, I'm watching. No disrespect to everybody else. I think Phil Mickelson's being a little weenie. I think Phil Mickelson ought to tell everybody, hey, I got your freaking suspension right here. I'm playing in the Masters, whether the Masters wants him or not. Hell, the Masters don't want anybody. There was a time they didn't want African Americans. There was a time they didn't want women. They don't want anybody. So Phil's suspended. Go play different story. Tiger Woods, baby. Tiger Woods played a round of golf with his son Charlie and Justin Rose, and he went all 18 holes at Augusta National. This is what I am in for. I will watch Tiger Woods today, tomorrow, the next day. I'll watch Tiger Woods on one leg. If Tiger Woods is on the leaderboard, I don't care if it is the Greater Greensboro Open. I don't care if it's the Quad Cities, the John Deere, or the U.S. Open or Masters. I am going to watch. Period. He's that kind of interesting to me. He just is. John Rahm is getting that way because he'll swear. Like, I like personality. I like winners. I like dudes that just win. I like dynasties. Uh, The only dynasty I'm not in love with, and it is a dynasty, is probably Dukes. But I digress. I still like it. I still like watching it. I still will watch But Tiger Woods playing 18 holes up and down the hills of Augusta National is awesome. It's hopeful. Look, I'll watch the Masters. It doesn't matter. You will. I will. We all will. I get it. But the truth of the matter is you throw Tiger in there, oh, man. I've said forever. So I am hopeful. I am very, very hopeful that Tiger Woods gets playing in the Masters. I don't care about these other tournaments, although I would watch. But that was good news to me. Uh, Robert Kraft. See, there's a saying in coaching, and it's all coaching. It's football. It's basketball. I don't know if it's major leagues. I don't know if, you know, 
Exactly. I know it's in the NFL. If they'll fire Bobby Knight at Indiana, they'll fire you. That is a saying in coaching. If they'll fire Bobby Knight, they'll fire you. Well, Bill Belichick hasn't won a playoff game in three years. And his owner, Robert Kraft, ain't happy about it. Now, Kraft didn't say anything about Belichick. Kraft didn't say, even allude to the fact that he would remove Bill Belichick. Don't get all excited here about that type of action. That's not what he's saying, okay? You got to be able to read into things. But here's the deal. The deal is this. When an owner starts talking about failure, what you didn't do, that he's a fan, that he's hopeful, I got to tell you, that is interesting. Because generally, a guy like Robert Kraft is all seashells and balloons, right? I mean, when he's not getting a little rub and tug, he's in there, he's the friend, he's there, he's kissing Tom Bray, you know, whatever. He's like the greatest owner ever. He seems like a guy's guy, although a little bit, you know, but hey, what are you going to do? And, and he loves his team and I'm sure is a fan, but like all fans, it is what have you done for me now? My father used to tell me, Dan, we're with you, baby, winter tie. And he was right, right? Hey, winter tie. He goes, you know, that's what people are. They're with you, winter tie. You lose, nah, you're on your own. And I, I, I'm down with that. I get that. Like, I used to think other stuff mattered. Oh, you know, we raised money. Oh, you know, I graduated all my players. Oh, you know, I had five fundraisers. No! Win, baby, win. And it doesn't matter if you're Bob Knight or you're Bill Belichick. Win. Just win, baby. Well, okay. So now Kraft is doing the anti-Jimmy Ursay. See, here in Indy, you got to understand something. In Indy, the media loves, I mean, we love things like cap space. Man, we got cap space. We do. Uh, Yeah, we do. We love ourselves some draft picks. We got the greatest general manager ever. We love ourselves some headlines. Let me read to you what Robert Kraft said. I've seen it other years, he said. People get all excited with the headlines now. He's literally speaking to the Colts. But in the end, it's what happens throughout the entire year. Splash signings are good for headlines. But the headlines aren't the substance of what's happening. I have literally been talking about this for five years in Indianapolis. And I'm not being figurative. I'm being literal. For five years, I've been talking about this. For five years, when the Colts have not won a division, for five years, when the Colts are 50, are 42 and 42, but yet the local media just loves the Colts. Big sit down yesterday, and I'll get into crazy ass Jimmy Ursay in a minute. He's not crazy, he just makes crazy statements. I actually love him. I don't know him, but I love his statements. But Robert Kraft is absolutely right. And you NFL fans, I get it. You're fans, man. You want, hey, give me the headlines. Give me this. But when you're inside, when you're the owner, you're a player, you're a general manager, you're a coach, 
17 games determined. Now, the preseason, the postseason preparation, I get all that. But headlines don't mean jack. Because in the world we live in, and this is what Robert Kraft is kind of saying, in the world we live in, headlines do rule the day, right? You're excited when your team gets going. Oh, man, we signed Joey Bag of Donuts. Taysom Hill is going to be a tight end. Oh, my God, did you hear that? Oh, my God, it's great. Oh, my God, we signed Andy Dalton. This is unbelievable. No. Like in Indy, we've signed so many guys that have been eh. But see, here's the difference. Robert Kraft's the owner. And that means the owner has expectations. Our owner said, we're going all chips in. Don't show up unless you're, okay, great. That's just talk. Robert Kraft is saying, hold on here. I've seen all this BS. It's what we do on the field. And even though he's not saying it, even though he hasn't said it, even though the word Belichick or expectations or firing or whatever, nothing that came out. When you start talking as an owner, that's a sign to everybody in that organization, get your ass in gear and get it in now. Not tomorrow, now. I want results now. Uh, the overtime rules changed in the NFL for the playoffs. We're going to let each team touch the football. I'm good with that. You know, what was it, 80% of the time or 70% of the time the team that won the coin flip ended up winning the football game when in the other, in the way we've done it up to this point. I, I also, though, I'm a little bit sad by it. Like, when you play football and you watch football and your team is playing, you watch the offense. We all watch the offense. But doesn't the defense have to do something? Like, isn't defensive football a part of the game? Defensive coordinators in college are making millions of dollars. In the NFL, they're making millions of dollars. I mean, damn, last I looked, you got defensive players making hundreds of millions of dollars. But I swear to you, it's like they don't count. It's like they don't matter. Hey, look, we know the rules are such that you can't guard anybody. So if we get the coin flip, we're not really expecting you to stop us. We, we'd like you to. We're going to reward you because if you do stop us, then you only have to kick a field goal. But we really don't think that you can. So it's not really expected. So let's change the rules. Let's just back up here a little bit. I got to tell you, part of me is all for it. Really is. But there's another part of me that says, really? Like, okay. I guess. The NFL is weird, man. Goodell came out yesterday and said that Deshaun Watson could still face discipline. Really? You think? Why are women's groups so silent on Deshaun Watson? I'm riffing here. Man. I said I wouldn't go at it in a pool with a crazy woman that wasn't my wife that just started coming at me about racist stuff. Some professor, I said, no, nah, I didn't even mention her name. Didn't even mention her name. Just said, no, nah, man. Yeah, I know you want to, whatever the context is, nah. I'm a married man, not going swimming with you, not going at it. Nope. Women's groups all across the country. Stephanie Drewley at ESPN. Oh, the women of ESPN are so upset. People called me rapey. 
Hey, look, you know who didn't? My wife, my mother, my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law is a prosecutor. 22 cases still pending. Not one, 22 against Deshaun Watson. I haven't heard one women's group yet. I haven't heard the women of ESPN yet. I haven't heard Stephanie Drooley, vice president of ESPN yet. I haven't seen Julie DiCarlo yet. I haven't seen nobody. All these people that came after me, I haven't seen one word. Why do you think that is? I'll tell you, the white, we, white media is so scared. The white media in your town is so scared of being called in this. I say it on this show damn near every day. But I'm watching this stuff, and I'm seeing what Goodell said. Well, he could face action. So a guy could face action in the most popular sport in our country, a top-five quarterback, and every single media member, white media member, is scared to death to say anything. Why? I'll say something. The dude shouldn't play until this gets resolved. The Cleveland Browns should be embarrassed about themselves. They should be embarrassed. And the women of Cleveland, what are you doing? The men of Cleveland, what are you doing? No, it's just Deshaun Watson. No, it's just, you know. uh, I screwed up something. I'm going to have to figure this out. I'm supposed to have Mike Lewis, the Ball State coach, on, but I thought he was Thursday. I screwed it up. Anyway, we'll get to that. A couple of things. Tales wrong with Jimmy Ursay. Let me go back to this Watson thing. Let me go back to this. So Deshaun Watson, 22 cases, gets the biggest contract there is, and I think I'm going to talk about this somewhere here with Jonathan Hutton. But Watson gets the biggest contract. The owner, Buschetti, Buscemi of the Ravens says, hey, man, uh, I don't like it. Kind of puts the quarterback conversation out of whack. If I'm Cleveland, I say, I don't care what you like. I'm trying to beat your ass. But the women of Cleveland, women across the country, some lady from the Baltimore Sun, oh, Dockage, Danny Wolkin, oh, Dockage. My thing when I said I wouldn't go in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife, go at it in a pool, whether it was swimming, diving, whatever, I don't care the context, I ain't going. National news, opinion piece, I don't hear nothing. I don't hear a damn thing. Deshaun Watson, where where are you, ladies? Where where are you? I mean, is it because I'm a 58-year-old white guy that people can come? Of course it is. We all know that. Come on. That's why I love being here. That's why I begged Clay about middle of last year when my ESPN contract I knew was up. I'm like, hey, man, it's great to be able to call a basketball game, but it's so much more fun to be able to talk about real things with you because we need somebody that's not afraid. I've been called every name in the book. What the hell do I care? What are you going to do? Dana Bembaugh going to write another article? Greg Doyle going to write another article? Every time they write an article in the star with a bad guy, the ratings go up. So, ladies and gentlemen, Somebody, get, Deshaun Watson should not be able to play until 22 cases are resolved, however they get resolved. And then you investigate, which I assume they have, and then you let him play. I don't give a damn what the Cleveland Browns paid him. 
I don't care. Do not care. You got to figure that out. And then don't tell me that whatever is women's month in the NFL, don't tell me that the teams must hire a woman. What woman wants to be around Deshaun Watson? I don't want my daughter around Deshaun Watson until I figure out what's real. You can call that whatever you want, but I don't. Hell, my wife said that. She goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you want a student trainer or an intern trainer around Deshaun Watson in that building until this gets resolved? You tell me. I don't know. I'm sure I'm some kind of ist for it, but my God, it's amazing. This dude just, hey, 22. I didn't do it. Oh, okay. Hey, I got a full head of hair. No, I do. Deshaun Watson saying he didn't do it is like me saying I got it. You can, I got a full head of hair. You can say whatever you want. Hey, you know, I was the greatest basketball player in the history of Indiana University. You know, I played 15 years in the NBA. All pro. <laughs> Just because I say it doesn't mean it happened. I'm innocent. Yeah. Pull this. It plays jingle bells. All right. What the hell's wrong with Jimmy Ursay? You know who Jimmy Ursay is? He's the owner of the Colts. Hey, can we put up the quote from Jimmy Ursay about my guy? My guy, Carson Wentz. I think the worst thing you can do is have a mistake and try to keep living with it going forward. For us, it was something we had to move away from as a franchise. It was very obvious. Man, this is an owner whose family openly talks about mental health issues. This is an owner whose family gets out in front and tells you, man, we're all about helping people's mentalities. We're all about, can you imagine if you're Carson Wentz? Nobody ever thinks this way. You know, we saw it with Indiana basketball getting uh, rid of Dane Fife and Mike, Mike Woodson's mammoth ego for a guy who hasn't done jack squat, including in college, other than score some points. But the truth of the matter is, you see these egos on these guys. What is it about the water here in Indiana? What is it? Because this is just Jim Ursay's ego. That's all this is. He also said the football gods rained down upon us and gave us, got us out of this situation and made us better. Man, next time I see his daughters talking about mental health, what about the mental health of Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz didn't badmouth anybody. I saw Carson Wentz in church after he was uh, released. I saw him at Trader's Point last Sunday. Not this past one, the Sunday before. I think it was. Maybe it was two ago. My mind, I don't know. I saw him there. He was by himself with his daughter. Actually took his daughter, a little girl. I don't know how old she was. I think she's really young. Into the daycare there. He walked by. Hey, man, you got screwed here. Good luck to you. He goes, hey, thank you. And then I saw him in the church and he's praying. I mean, he hadn't said anything bad about the Colts. Why do the Colts feel the need to say bad stuff about him? I don't understand it, other than ego. Other than just pure ego. Hey, look, it didn't work out here for Carson. We wish him nothing but the best. That's what Frank Reich said. Jimmy Ursay, and now again, you got to understand, these quotes come from a guy named Zach Kiefer. Now, Zach Kiefer and the Indianapolis media aren't exactly the most, what's the right word, uh, accurate. They're not the most accurate fellas in the world. They're not exactly, uh, like every article that's ever been written about me or anyone I really know has been screwed up by the Indy Stars, everyone. They can't get it right. But okay, let's just take these quotes for what they are. 
Why do, why do you feel the need to do that? Now, you're going to tell me, well, Carson Wentz is a big boy. It's the NFL. I would argue, hey, Will Smith, you're a big boy. So is Carson Wentz allowed to go smack Jimmy Ursay? Is he allowed to do that? I wouldn't feel bad if he did. But this is a family, these daughters and, and Jimmy Ursay. We want to erase the stigma. Help us fight mental health. Well, what about Carson Wentz's mental health? What about his wife? What about his parents? What about his family? Jimmy Ursay did not talk, did not think about that. What Jimmy Ursay thought was his big fat ego and the fact that the Colts aren't selling any tickets to this train wreck of an organization they have. All of a sudden, it, it, I always say this. Listen to me. It's easy to forgive until it's time to forgive. I say that all the time. I go to church. I hear everybody talk about, I'm so rotten. I'm the, uh, 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 Aaron Brockett, who's a great pastor. I'm just like you. I'm, everybody's got all these issues, right? And we talk forgiveness. And it's easy, so easy to forgive until it's your time. Why am I talking about this? Well, it's so easy to talk about mental health issues and how we've got to straighten out mental health issues. We've got to help people with mental health issues until it's time to shut your mouth on somebody else. That's a fact. Jimmy Ursay could have just shut his mouth. He done owe Zach Kiefer, all these clowns, and his, uh, Stephen Holder, whoever these other guys are, I don't even know. He done owe these guys these quotes. But you know what? We just, when it comes time for us to shut our mouths and help other people, we just can't do it when our ego's involved. It's easy to forgive until it's your time to forgive. It's easy to talk mental health, Ursay family, until it's your time to shut your mouth and not hurt somebody else. Period. It's amazing how people can't do that. It's astounding, really. But it is also human nature. Jimmy Ursay felt like, hey, I got to get my side out. I, think about that. I got to get my side out. No different than Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson at Indiana, when he brought Dane Fife, who's a legendary player at Indiana, we're getting the family back. Okay, it didn't work out. I needed to make a change because I, 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 It's amazing. Whenever you hear me talk about our show, it's always our show. Most times when I tweet it, join us today. I'm the only host, but my man Jimmy Cook works hard as hell. I learned that from Bob Knight. It's always we, us, and us. Man, I just get amazed at these things. I do think this, and I keep repeating myself, but I, I do think when ego gets involved, man, that's when true character comes out. Jimmy Ursay and his family are full of crap. Maybe they've helped people because they have money with mental health issues. 
Maybe they have. I've spoken openly about my own. I've spoken openly about my not being able to get ahead off the frickin' pillow when I was losing as a coach. And I knew we had no chance because we were playing football players. Everybody was hurt. I could not sleep in a bed. And Greg Doyle, the, uh, the columnist for the Indy Star, he turned me on to Lexapro. I take it every day. So does basically every golfer and coach that you see, an athlete, you see, actor, they take the same stuff, Lexapro. I'm very open about it. Do I criticize? Yeah. Sure do. But I don't go out of my way to. I don't go out of my way to talk about somebody that was in my employee that was a year ago, a year ago, our savior didn't work out. And now a family that trumpets itself as these people of mental health, we're going to erase the stigma. They take a guy and throw him right into the fire and a family. Carson Wentz got to wake up going, son of a... Now, Carson Wentz also is probably like, hey, that's that's the job of an NFL quarterback. But that don't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's right at all. And everybody will be on my ass in Indy because, well, people don't think... People think as fans. Let's put it that way. Oh, you hate the Colts. I love the Colts. Season ticket holder. Paid a lot of money. I stopped being a season ticket holder when the pandemic hit, and I haven't gone back because I think the product is crap on the field in terms of the game day experience. It's great in Indy, but the game day experience in the NFL ain't great. You can never get momentum. There's that freaking guy over there in the orange gloves that keeps going like this, and next thing you know, I got a five-minute delay. Drives me nuts. <laughs> last thing, NIT semifinals last night. We made money. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. St. Bonnie went down. St. Bonnie, hell of a run, man. They went to... They went to three different places, including Oklahoma. We had Porter Roberts on yesterday, Colorado. I mean, they played their brains out to get there. But, hey, Xavier is a great story. Xavier has Jonas, uh, Jonas Hayes, who played at Georgia, was a really good player. Uh, he's the interim coach for my friend Travis Steele. And now, guess what? They're in the NIT finals against a Texas A&M team that seems to be on a mission. Remember back when Texas A&M didn't get in the NCAA tournament? Probably should have. Buzz Williams whined, but hey, probably should have. What are you going to do? A lot of people criticize him. Probably should have. Okay. At the end of the day, though, Buzz Williams' team is playing like they've got a chip on their shoulder. And it's pretty fun to watch. It really is. So we got an NIT final. And I like it. All right. Timmy Doyle's going to join us. I love him. I absolutely love him. He's going to join. He's going to be high energy. Get ready. Buckle up. Mike Bray is going to join us. And then Jonathan Hutton. We're going to talk some NFL. There's no reason to go anywhere. Keep it right here. This is Don't At Me with Dan Dockage. We got Dylan. We got Ryan. We got everybody. We got Corey. I got a text here, uh, Mike Lewis, to coach at Ball State and tell him I forgot. I thought he was on tomorrow. Be right back. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. You know, Tim Doyle joining us. Tim, uh, anybody that knows you, you don't have to wear that shirt. We know. You know what I mean? We already know. (laughs) I'd rather bet and lose than not bet at all. That's that's. I'd rather have the action. It's about the fix. We all know that. So – uh, yeah, I got this shirt from Stable Duel. It's the first ever 
uh, fantasy horse racing stuff. I don't really understand it because I just like to bet race to race. I like to bet daily doubles uh, just because I have a shortest attention span. But yeah, this shirt, my wife says I can't wear this like out when I'm mowing the lawn. <laughs> like, because I'll be smoking a cigarette with like a Miller Lite <laughs> shirt. You can't be wearing a degenerate shirt. I go, okay, I won't wear it. Oh, wait, wait. Don't wear it mowing the lawn, but wear it on a TV show that it, by the time this is done, there'll be about 50 grand, 50,000. Yeah, do that. Don't, don't wear it in the, in the neighborhood. What's wrong with you? Hey, Duke Carolina, not, not I want to get to your gambling thoughts, but what do you think of the whole setup here? First time they've ever met Coach K. Yeah, the whole I mean, deal. I just watched King Richard, um, and that didn't seem real. If you don't know anything about the story, it's about Venus and Serena Williams growing up in Compton. And when you watch a movie like that, you go, no one would even buy the Hollywood script of this movie because it's so unbelievable. Two African-American girls growing up in the hood and then making it to be the greatest tennis players in the world. Serena's the greatest female athlete maybe ever. Uh, that's what I feel like with Coach K. Wait, he's playing North Carolina. The only thing would be better would be right. if they were playing North Carolina National Championship game. Uh, his team, I thought, coming into right. the tournament, had a very had the largest ceiling of anybody, meaning I thought they could get better than anybody else just because they had so much talent. But I questioned their toughness. I thought they were soft. And I thought Texas Tech was going to punch them in the mouth. But you go eight for eight down the stretch. You go 10 or 12 from the free throw line. I was like, yeah, but then Arkansas, they just embarrassed Gonzaga. They'll embarrass Duke. And honestly, Coach, that wasn't even a game. So I know there's some preachers back in the day that go, I have sinned. I have sinned against Duke, okay? So now I'm all in. I think they're the most talented team left in the tournament, and I'm going to lay the four points against North Carolina. You know, going to your point, I had I had Tom Izzo on, and he told us right here on, you know, same thing. I think it was Monday he came on, and he's like, look, they were up five, and he thought they would crack. He said, I saw Duke crack against North Carolina. I saw Duke crack against Virginia Tech. I thought when we got up five, they would crack, but that was a different deal, Timmy. It was, and to your point, not only did they not crack, they stepped it up late in all these games. I think that's no, big time. No doubt. Yeah, I thought that was a great interview you did with Coach Izzo. I listened to a majority of it when I was sitting on the bowl, and then I didn't get off. Like, you know when you sit there for way too long? Like, I was there for like 36 minutes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and you guys were – Legs are falling asleep. It's horrible. Yeah, it's just—it's oh, yeah. a great way to hide from three kids. I'm in the bathroom for crying out loud. But he said some amazing things. I thought his uh, his viewpoint on you know gambling and gaming I think is a bit old school than maybe my generation and how I feel about it. But I respect his opinion. I thought it was really interesting when he was talking about social media and Foster Lawyer, who was a guard there that ended up transferring. Uh, to Davidson. I don't know if you know, Bob McKillop was my next door neighbor growing up. He was my brother Danny's high school coach. So we've known Coach McKillop forever. He screwed my brother Joe with a scholarship and then he wanted me to go there nine years later. I said, sorry, coach, you know, that family, rather, I can't go to Davidson. So uh, I thought your interview with him was amazing. And, and yeah, Duke, like Duke proved the point to me. You know, as a gambler, you got to take stances. And I looked at Duke, I watched their body of work. I knew they had a lot of talent, but when I watched Paulo, I was like, yeah, Apollo's really talented, but he doesn't recognize when it's his time to take over. Well, he recognizes now, and he's the best player left in the Final Four. He made an enormous three down one in Texas Tech. Like, he stepped up in those big moments, and I just think Duke is, like, growing with confidence. They keep getting better and better as we go into April. Timmy, let me go back to something you just said, because I think it's interesting. 
the gambling part of it. You know, you, you, I go to horse races, gone my whole life. I've been on the rail and when a horse, you know, a jockey comes in second or third or fourth, you know, out of the money, when that jockey circles back, man, the, 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 the rail birds are screaming at him, right? You suck. You, you know, okay. But in, Izzo was saying something I thought was interesting, like, man, this is what players are going to face now on campus and when they see other people because of gambling. You agree with that? I think that that guys now, and I'm including high school seniors in this, and college athletes, they have to be so much more mature than we were. I mean, I was drunk like three nights a week at Northwestern, right? Like passed out on couches, like... You can't be like that now. I have two kids that live in my town. Actually, my town won the state championship in Illinois. My little BS little town here. And five guys are going Division One, headlined by the 6'11 kid going to Gonzaga. And I, I, I've mentored a few of the kids. And, you know, like New Year's Eve comes, they can't go to the high school party. Because the 6'11 kid, if he gets whatever, you know, if he has a good time and he has a few beers and you know, people are taking videos. Right. And I, I just sat down with both of them recently, two of them. And uh, I told them they had to, they have to be so much more mature at their age than we were. And I'm including you as well, because I know how you were at Indiana, Nick yeah. and sports sink the biz. No you know what I mean? Like we were complete lunatics. Michael Jordan, you probably couldn't have, you couldn't have more fun with Michael, but he's lucky there was no social media around. And for these kids, they're already on that. They, they have to be so much more aware. So when you talk about the gambling aspect, it kind of brought me to fantasy football, right? Whenever you see an NFL player running back or wide receiver, I was like, oh, you know, I had you on my fantasy football team. And, you know, this is just something they're going to have to deal with going forward. So um, I, I, it's funny you say that because the kid deleted the tweet. Cal State Fullerton had a kid that made a bucket late and it was against Duke. He went in and dunked the ball, and they ended up covering the first game of the year. And I took them. I think they were plus 17 and a half, plus 18. And I said, you know, I, I went on TV, and I was, thank you so much. And he set up a GoFundMe page after the game, tweeted it out. Now, he deleted the tweet, um, but I found he tweeted at me. That's how I saw the GoFundMe page because, you know, obviously I had made money on it, and he wanted to – I think he was trying to raise $200. So – yeah, I think the NCAA is going to have some things they're going to have to deal with as far as, you know, stuff like that. And I was just kind of, you know, I'm doing a show and I'm supposed to be talking about gambling. But, yeah, the athletes now, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, they better be prepared for that. I, I Look, and it isn't a good outcome. Like, I guess once in a while, if, if you're the guy that dunks, maybe it's a good outcome. But it isn't a good outcome. You know, people aren't. You know, you miss a friend. My, my uncle called yeah, me when yeah, I was I, a I, freshman I, I, I in heard you, I heard you tell this story. Yeah, I heard. I, 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 it's funny. I, right. I, I only looked at the spread one time when I was at Northwestern. Obviously, I knew the spread and stuff. I knew how to look for it, but I only looked at it once. And you know when you're traveling on the road, at least back in the day, they put a newspaper in front of your door in the hotel. So we're in East Lansing playing Michigan State. So we're Northwestern. We suck. So we're going out for breakfast. And I get the paper and I go, damn, we're getting 16 and a half today. I go, we got to keep this game. Like, we're, we're better than that. We're like hovering around 500 in the Big Ten. I go, man, we're going to keep this game close. Damn, we lost by 40. I mean, we got blown out. I go, that's, I've never looked at that spread ever again. I can honestly say as a player, as a coach, I never looked. 
I never, I, I knew where to find it. Hell, I was helping guys with parlay cards when I was 10 years old, you know, in, in my grandfather's bar, but I never, I, 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 I got to give, I, never, I, 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 I give Northwestern it. credit. They did a great job. Now they had multiple points scandals, point shaving scandals, multiple football and basketball, yeah. but they did a great job when I was there to scare the shit out of you. I mean, they legit, they brought in former mob bosses and they scared the, you know, what out of me that I didn't make a football bet. I bet the ponies because I would be like this. Can we bet the ponies? They would go, yeah, you can bet the bike. All right. As long as I got the ponies, I got something. So, but the sports, they did a great job of scaring me. And now, you know, you can't walk into a casino. I don't care if it's in Indiana or Vegas and you can't bet $10,000, right? You can maybe, maybe you can bet $2,000, but they're going to want to know who you are. So everyone that's worried about all the NCAA and the gambling, like you can't walk into a place for $25,000 on a game. You know, maybe you know, the only way you could do it, and I've thought about this, you would have to bet like 500 and just go all through the casinos. And by the way, they'd be able to track you, especially if you were betting a random college basketball game. So the computers now have gotten so good that if they see a Montana State game that has, you know, 200 grand on, going one way, you know, they're going to be able to track you. And then everyone's going to jail. So you've seen the Headache Smith story um, you know, from Arizona State. Right. So the, the computers now are able to track. So there, there is, you know, it, it's too big of a risk to go to jail to dump a game. It's just not, it's not worth it. When, when I'm going to go to the game. You like, you think Duke's going to win the game. What do you think of Carolina thus far? I think Carolina has, could beat them, but they need their guards to both play great. They've alternated playing great. R.J. Davis had 30 against Baylor, and then Caleb Love had the best 20 minutes of the tournament against UCLA. I mean, that kid was making some impossible shots. And that's sports. Guy made some unbelievable shots. You lose. You make crying, you shake your hand. You go, that kid played unbelievable. And we missed some shots that are point-blank range. So if both those guards could play great, which I doubt, especially in a dome, because you know, I've played in domes before, it's hard to pick up shooting and the depth perception is tough and so I think if both those guards play outstanding, they have a shot, but they just seem to alternate. I love Brady Manick. And why? Because he looks like he didn't get the part in Kingpin. Like they chose the other Amish guy. They were like this, <laughs> no, you. And he was like, not me. Like, I felt like I bought like an old Amish chair for Brady Manick, but he's been, he's been balling. Stretch four and Baycott's super reliable. I think it's going to be a great game. I don't expect it to be a blowout, but I, I think Duke's going to win. You know what? I have a guy, true story. I had a guy come chop down some trees around here, and I swear to God, the dude, not the dude that was, you know, running the joint, but the dude that had to climb up the tree looked just like Brady <laughs> Manning, man. My wife's like, hey, that's the, my wife, we're watching the game. She don't know Brady, man. She's like, that's a dude that chopped down our tree. I go, no, it's not. But I said, all right, what do you think of the next game? Kansas, Villanova, Villanova without Justin Yeah, Moore. now they're going to be playing basically like an iron five. Here's what I say about Villanova. You want to bring them home to meet mom and dad, right? It's like they got a great 401k. They make all their free throws. They don't turn the ball over. Like you fly a kite down by Lake Michigan with Villanova. Kansas is sexier. Say Kansas has got some athletes. Kansas has got a bodgy. Like, um, but, you know, when I'm gambling, I like to have that trust factor, you know, and Jay Wright's won two national championships. Gillespie's been in college since Barack Obama was president. Like, uh, there's a trust there that they're going to take good care of the basketball. They're going to have single digit turnovers. They're the greatest free throw shooting team in the history of college basketball. And I'm going to get four, four and a half points. I don't know what I'm going to get from Kansas. Didn't cover and looked average against Creighton with missing two stars. 
uh, life and death against Providence. You know, Providence could make a shot in the first half. And then they have one great half where they outscore Miami 47 to 15. So can they take that second half and carry it over? If they do, then, then I'm going to lose my bet. But they've been too erratic where Villanova is just like, they're the same team. They got an amazing culture there. The only thing I'm going to miss, Coach, is Jay Wright and his suit. And Jay Wright was the coach of Hostra, and I grew up about a mile away. I remember working out with him when he was at Hostra, and he was really particular about his free throws, right? Whatever, whatever your routine was. I was a four-dribble guy. And then he always wanted you to stop. So he wanted a pause and then a free throw. I know there's a great free throw shooting coach in Indiana. What's his name? Virgil okay. Sweet. So, Virgil so Jay Sweet. was really anal about the free he throws. Was... So stop and then shoot. I hated it, okay? But obviously it's worked at a pretty high level. And when he took the job at Villanova, he was recruiting me in Hostra. So I shot him a text like, hey, coach, would love to talk to you about Villanova. And he just wrote back, who dis?" So like I guess things didn't work out with me going no, to Villanova. No, he didn't. <laughs> oh man, but you got a Northwestern education after a St. John's. No, but education. he was like at my house. You know, he was like and, and, dancing with my mother at parties yeah. and stuff when he was at Astra. And then he goes to Villanova. He responds, <laughs> "Who this? I guess I guess I'm not being recruited anymore." Hey, as a New York guy, did you know where St. Peter's? I did. Was? You know, my brother played at Iona. So St. Peter's knocked St. Peter's okay. knocked him off uh, in 1990, 1991 to go to the NCAA tournament. And they were they were 12. Wow. So I, I knew a lot about St. Peter's. It's a horrible, horrible place with a terrible, terrible gym. So if you can win there, you, you can really coach your hiney off. They ran great action. You know, St. Peter's proved my point. St. Peter's, Peter's proved my point. Basketball's easier to play now. The guys are more talented. The guys jump higher. Nobody knows how to play. That's why with Villanova, they know how to play. If Villanova won their last game, honestly, with ball fakes and shot fakes, they, they, they are amazing at just, like, getting edge. Everybody jumps. My point with St. Peter's is they just pass the ball. They make some open shots. They do all the little things. Basketball now, if you watch Joker and Doncic, their teams are not very talented, but he, they just make everybody else better. You know, when I watched the Pacers and I watched them recently against the Hawks, Halliburton has that ability, but he's on a new team and they're trying to figure it out. Like when you have a guy who really knows how to play John Morant, everybody else feeds off of that. So I think the game is easier to play now. If you have a very high basketball IQ. Hey, let me go back to Kansas and Villanova. And I agree totally with what you said. It's almost like every offense now is like an uh, old-school zone offense. Just drive a gap, draw two, kick it, drive a gap, draw. That's how old-school zones used to, used to play. And now next thing you know, we're doing it in man-to-man. But let me go back to Kansas for just a second. When you look at Kansas, uh, is Obagi a first-round pick? Is there anybody there? Is this an uber-talented Kansas team? It's not uber-talented. To answer your question about Obagi, he reminds me a lot of Andrew Wiggins. Now, it may not be as athletic, but do you remember Andrew Wiggins was supposed to be an, a perennial NBA all-star? It didn't happen. It didn't yeah, happen yeah. until now. So he reminds me a lot of that. Like what I saw from him in the second half against Miami, the dunks, the three-point plays, two for two from three. I mean, you know, they draft in the NBA off of upside. I think the kid has a tremendous upside. I, don't, I think this Kansas team was – you know, they got a very favorable draw. They obviously had the easiest region. They went through Chicago, which has a huge Kansas fan base. They were able to feed off that crowd. 
and now I'm going to lay four and a half points. I don't think so. Like, uh, I, you know, you understand? Like, they haven't. I, I'm a racetrack guy, so when I go to the track, I'll look at horses' past performances, and no doubt you could throw out a race or a sloppy track. But like, I look back at what Kansas has done. You know, they were dominated by Miami in the first half and the two previous games, life and death to be Providence and Creighton. I, I'm just not laying points here. So you're basically, in a certain way, you're looking at that second half against Miami as a bit of an outlier for who they really are. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 47 to 15. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. bottle that up? You know, like if you bottle that up and you yeah. carry it over, then you beat me. You know, you got to make decisions in gambling. Like you, you, you go eyeball test, you watch the history. Like I get it. Villanova is going to have basically five guys and Jay Wright's got to figure out if, Hey, little Archie Diacono, get out there. Like someone's going to have to emerge and play. You can't play with five guys. So someone's going to have to go out there, but they have such a culture, such a, with Kansas. I also think Kansas is battling this and you know, this Remy Martin came in from Arizona state and he had been their best player in the tournament and Abaji's first team, all American. So there could be a little bit in the locker room of, no, I'm the man, I'm the man. No, 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 I take the shot. No, you take the shot. And hey, that, <laughs> that, that, that's real. You know, I know this is the final four, but like that, that, that stuff goes on. So I, that's another concern for me because I, I thought Abaji was the man, but Remy Martin's been the best player, consistent player in the tournament. So like I said, I think Kansas has a bigger upside. Like Villanova, I dance face to face with. Like we look into each other's eyes, like dirty dancing. There's a passion there. There's a trust there. Kansas just gets out there and backs it up on me. Like my wife backs it up on me at weddings. I'm not. I'm not ready for it. Like that's what Kansas. There's a little more sexy and sultry to them. But like also that you know, they also keep their phone down in the living room because you don't know who's texting them late at night. Even. <laughs> Even without Justin Moore, that doesn't yeah, bother bothers me. It, it, not not the five guys. I'm not saying the five guys. I'm saying his. You know what he can do? He can play. he can get by someone on a dribble. You know, Gillespie had a really hard time right. doing that. Um, but I don't think Kansas is like that great defensively. I don't think they're amazing defensively. I just think they're okay. You know, last out they played Houston. They, that's an amazing defensive team, and they locked up Gillespie. I think this game is going to be a little bit easier for him to score. All right, let me go to the NBA. A lot of people talking about Devin Booker as MVP. You I buy can see that? it. You know, w- w- when we played, when we played yeah. squirt ball, right? Best team, best player, usually wins all the awards, right? But like that—that's how it is. And when you're a little kid, all the way up to high school, best team, best player, yeah, you're the MVP. Um, you know, Chris Paul changed that franchise. Another guy knows how to play. Uh, DeAndre Ayton secretly hates Chris Paul because Chris Paul pushes them to be better. It's the best thing that ever happened to DeAndre Ayton's career was playing with Chris Paul because Chris Paul sees greatness in Aiton and he pushes him. I think Aiton's one of those, like, I play basketball because I'm tall types. And Chris Paul has really gotten the yeah. max out of him and he completely changed that franchise. Uh, but, yeah, I can see the, Devin, the best player in the NBA is Giannis. And anybody who wants to say it's somebody else is wrong. And if you watched the game against the 76ers yesterday, basketball is a two-way sport. And how did he win the game? He had the block on the – supposed to be MVP, a point-blank range to win the game. So, oh, by the way, he also had 40 points in the game for a guy who's offensively challenged. So <laughs> we could argue, and Joker does more with less, and he's ever – like, the best player in the NBA every single year is Giannis. I, I've talked to Timmy. I've talked to people that are inside this. Nobody 
and I mean nobody. I don't care if it's the Heat. I don't care if it's the Sixers. Nobody wants the Nets in the first round of the playoff. Nobody. Zero. You can tell me about Spolstra. You can tell me how good. They don't want the Nets in the first round of the playoff, and neither do the Sixers. And I don't blame you when you got those two guys sitting there playing for the Nets. Who wants to play those guys? I know, but it's like, you know, you ever run into a a person of attraction past 2 a.m. and you got like the goggles on and stuff like and they got the fake eyelashes in and the weave and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like you wake up the next morning, you're like, whoa, what happened last night? Like, that's a little bit what I think about with the. the, No, I've never. No, never. No, I don't know. That's a little bit what I think with the Nets. Like, we get caught up with, like, whoa, like, unbelievable. Kyrie has had games this month, Coach, 60, 50, and 40 points. I mean, that's mind-blowing. Kevin Durant, even though Giannis is the best player, Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the NBA. And then you're going to add in Ben Simmons, we think, at some point. But, um, I, I, you know, if they win, you, you go, congratulations. I, they're not getting my money. I'm not betting on them at all. I'm not saying I'm not going to bet them in a certain game. But I, I just don't trust them as far as I could throw them. And I, I think they're snake bitten. Just like Durant stepped on the line by this much last year, they would have went to the NBA finals. The mask and the vaccine and all that. Like, th- there's a bad karma associated with that franchise. And then you bring in Ben Simmons. I'm not going to say he's going to add any good juju to the mix. Like, I, I'm not touching them. If they win this year, congratulations. You're not getting my money. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that stuff, what you just mentioned, you can't quantify it, right? It's like, like the Supreme Court justice, what do you say? I, I, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. That, that stuff you're talking about with the Nets, I swear to God, it seems like it's always, always been there. And there's other franchises like that, but the Nets seem to, the Clippers are like that. I, you know, I, I just feel like there's some franchises that, that what you just said makes total sense even though you can't define it you know what uh, I mean absolutely I get where they're scared to play them I would be scared as well but it just seems like you know the Clippers had all this you know bombers out there clapping you're bringing in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just seems like there's always something going on that like and I, I I'm not I'm not rooting for yeah. something to go wrong for them but something's gonna go wrong at some point Kyrie last year you know coach they dominated the Bucks first two games of that series and then Kyrie got hurt and then Harden hurt his hamstring, and then the wheels fell off. Like, I, they just they, – they, they're not going to get my money. I'll just say that. Last thing, who wins the uh, NCAA Duke, tournament? Yeah, who, Duke's who, plus who 155. So, and especially – think about this. you got to lay four against North Carolina. If they play Villanova, you know, they're going to be six. So, the fact that I can get plus odds right now, considering both games, they're going to be minus 180, minus 200. I think that's really good. They, they proved like they did enough for me that even if they lost, they, the way they put back-to-back games together, Texas Tech and Arkansas, I thought like the Texas Tech game was a fluke, and then they really just dominated Arkansas. Uh, I'm going to bet them. That's how I'm going to watch the Final Four. I'm going to bet them right now, plus 155. Sit back in New Orleans, and I've been staying in a three to six drink range. And ever since I've done that, my life has been oh. really successful. I try to Three to six drinks, and my once I go to seven or above, anything could happen. And five nights in New Orleans, pray for me, okay? <laughs> Tim, I always do. I mean, hey, look, you're a dad with three kids, man. Two drink per kid. Two drink per kid. That's maximum. fair, right? That's yeah. And then one, yeah, yeah. Go to seven and one for the wife. That gets you to seven. You'll be all right. You won't end up. 
Kevin O'Neilling it. I'll tell you that story off air someday. But hey, now, here, six drinks. I, I got to get my wings clipped because if we have four kids, it's going to be an issue. Like this is it. Like three kids, I'm stre- I've already stretched way too thin. So uh, next NCAA tournament, you may not see me on air. You'll know what I'll be doing. <laughs> I got it. You know who my doctor, you, true story. Everybody in Bowling Green got their wings clipped by a doctor named Richard oh, Tapper. No. True story. Dr. Dick Tapper. That's a that true can't be real. story. Come on. That is a look him up. True story. I had a, you know, and, and this guy. is no joke and this is terrible. We had a priest at my high school, St. Dominic. His name was Father Hands. And like, I trust me, I didn't do any after school activities there. You're the he worst. was there. That was his name, Father Michael Hands. I was like, I think I'm going to pass on that. You're the best. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys. Hi, Dave. Have fun. See you, brother. Thank you. I don't know why that got me. I can't stop laughing about that. Well, thanks to Timmy D. I'm crying. I think it's the delivery. I think it's the way Timmy delivered. This may be horrible or something, but we'll be back. Mike Bray next. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. Uh, This is like look away. There's too much handsome on this screen right now. So, you know what? I understand if you're going to go blind with Mike Bray and Dan Dockett on the same screen. Yeah, got a little face. Hey, they told me, like, wine Wine, scissors, and COVID got me, okay? A couple bottles of wine on my back deck, and my stepson had scissors. They say you got to grow a little face. You've been going with the face for a couple years now, right? Well, you know what I did was I got superstitious during the regular season, and I was shaving on game day. It was working, and then I thought after we got bounced by Virginia Tech in Brooklyn, I said, I'm bringing the beard back for March Madness, and it worked for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Hockey beard, baby. Playoff beard. Let's go. You're right. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about your team for just a second. Indiana had the same thing. You guys handled it better. You got all those games in a short period and then the travel. Is that fair? I mean, look, you're in the NCAA tournament. Is it fair to have to play a game, then travel all night, then play another game 48 hours later? I, I don't think so. When I saw both Indiana and us be put in that situation, I thought, isn't there a way we can do this a little better and we're not flying all the way to the Pacific time zone? Now, Indiana probably helped us because their travel was so screwed up on Tuesday night, there was no way they were going to screw our travel up Wednesday night. They probably fired somebody in the NCAA travel office, and we got in at 5 a.m., whereas they got in, I think, at 10 a.m. Pacific time into Portland, but, you know, once you get there, Danny, I mean, everybody, oh, fatigue. And, I mean, you're playing on fumes and adrenaline and probably as, especially the way we won in Dayton, it kind of just jacks you up and, and you know, you're able to get some rest and play again. But our travel was smoother than the Hoosiers, and maybe that helped us on Friday against Alabama. So 
I got to ask, because when I said I'm having you on, did you drink a little Irish whiskey on the plane? They didn't have any on the plane, and uh, they're all over my AD, Jack Swarbrick. He said, God, you know, the guys are saying, like, I haven't supplied any Irish whiskey. But after the Alabama game, <laughs> there's nothing like, you know, Danny, you know this, there's nothing like winning in the afternoon and you have an evening to kind of stretch your legs, oh. walk around San Diego, and I walked to an Irish bar and I did one shot of Jameson before I went back to watch film of Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, so you so you fulfilled I the I promise. Got, I, oh, I got it, but I paid for it. I thought I'd be on scholarship. I announced it on national TV. <laughs> now I think when I go out here in South Bend later in the spring, I will be on scholarship the rest of the summer. <laughs> Coach, last time you paid for anything in South Bend oh, was when? Yeah, it's been a while, man. It's it, You know, the only guy that has a better scholarship <laughs> than me in this town is Digger. And uh, it, yeah. and he's got a great one. <laughs> yeah, but he's always passing out his pens yeah. and he's – he, he, you know, he, it's like – you know, I don't know. Hey, Coach, um, I do want to I, I do want to talk about – your relationship, Mike Shashevsky. How did you get to Duke? You were at Dematha. How did it? How, what's the story on how you got on Duke staff? Well, what helped me, Danny, was I was Morgan Wooten's assistant at Dematha. I played for him in the '70s, and when I graduated from GW, I went back as his assistant. And I was thinking about being a GA in college at GW, and and Morgan Wooten gave me great advice. He said, "Mike, if you want to be a college coach, you come work." with me for a while you're going to have the jv team you need to have your own team you need to learn how to coach and have your own team but with the players we have every college coach in america is going to be through the gym you'll meet them all and that's really what happened and got to know mike shashevsky and bob bender especially old bobby b who was a iu duke guy you know and and they recruited the heck out of this guy by the name of danny ferry and the relationships stuck and I think when Mike lost Chuck Swenson former IU manager by the way to William and Mary I think he wanted a guy that was going to be there a while and not a guy that was going to come and try and get a head job in two years and I was very fortunate and uh and I think Bob Bender was the key I think Bob said I want to work with Mike Bray I'm moving up as the top assistant and Bob trained me and helped me and I'll always be indebted to Bob, too, because I think he put a good word in for me. You know, it's a, the only job I ever turned down in my life was to go to work for Chuck Swenson and William and Mary. Only job. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I, was a grad, I was a grad assistant. I told Coach Knight I'd just soon stay here because it was Indiana. You know, I mean, you know, and whatever. Uh, your relationship through the years, it's been chronicled about Coach Knight. You know, you're his closest guy uh, at – you ever go through ups and downs with Coach K? Yeah, I think you do. You know, it was I loved it more when I wasn't in the same league with him. You know, when I was in the Big East, Danny, I kind of was like, you know, and, and it, the ACC has been great. Don't get me wrong. And it's been awesome for us and we're excited. Yeah. But it's like, oh, man, I got to deal with that guy in Durham. Now I got to deal with him in the league and the league meetings and, and all that stuff. And uh and so, yeah, sure, you know, there's nothing like wanting to beat your mentor. And and uh, um, we've been able to get him a few times, but he's thumped us uh, more often than not. What's helped, though, is being in the league with him. When we have beaten them, it's been such credibility for our program. And, uh, um, and, and but, but, you know, we go on the road in the summer. 
we sit together watching games and we tell stories about the years in Durham. And uh, now that he's a wine connoisseur, I couldn't get the guy drinking when I was an assistant. <laughs> All he did was have pizza and ice cream. Now he's drinking wine and you go out, have a great bottle of wine with him. And man, we really get loose. So, I, you know, love him to death. And uh, he wants to beat my brains out and I want to beat his brains out on game night, but I don't have to deal with him anymore. It's Shire now. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. How many times did you get fired oh, as an assistant? At oh, Duke? yeah. And, and you know you know how, how that goes. Um, one of the great stories is Jay Billis's first staff meeting as a GA. He comes in. Mike comes back from the beach. We always used to dread when Mike K came back from the beach because he'd have three legal tablets of notes. He would watch film down there at night <laughs> at the beach. He'd watch film. I'm like, my man, just hang out. And this is why he's good, though. This is why he's a step ahead of all of us. So he came back. Quinn Snyder was going to be a senior. And he goes into this thing about, you know, we got to get Quinn to do this. He's, he's got to be our point guard, but I'm not sure he's a point guard. And I'm going to do this. And he goes through about 10 things. He goes, hey, guys, be honest with me. Is that too much to ask of Quinn? And I make the mistake of saying, coach, I, I think that's a little too much. Could we simplify it? He snaps. Now, remember, this is Billis's first meeting. He goes, well, I'll tell you one thing. Your ass better get him to do that stuff. We're doing it. And he rips me. So the meeting breaks up. Billis comes down the hall, peeks around the corner to my office. He goes, hey, Mike, are, are all the meetings like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. God love him, man. You know, the guy is, um, he just wants to wake up every day and beat somebody's backside, even at 75 years old. I tip my cap. I tip my cap. I, I hope I'm alive and I have half the juice. At 75. Yeah. Hey, how good's his team? I think they got a little bit of a belief now. You know, Dan, I, I don't know how you felt, but watching them at the end of the year, certainly the weight of the world was on them against Carolina and Cameron that last night. And I thought they played with the weight of the world on them in Brooklyn. But somehow, and he's great at it, he's pushed the right buttons mentally, psychologically. They're kind of just balling right now. They're just kind of hooping. And now it'll be interesting to see on this stage against this opponent, can they be loose and playing? Because I think that's the key. Because Carolina, again, like in Cameron a couple weeks ago, they got nothing to lose. And they're playing better defense. You know, we played them both. We beat Carolina here because they weren't really interested in defending in early January. Duke defended us and crushed us on a Monday night here. We couldn't even breathe. Um, but Carolina has nothing to lose. Uh, I think it's Mike's challenge to keep them loose, and he's great at the psychological component of it. You know, I, I want to you're, – you're a big part of the history of Duke, and obviously the winningest coach at Notre Dame, and I feel bad talking to you about Duke, but uh, I want to go back to something because I tried to explain to people that – maybe never coached or played, how hard that game in Cameron was for yeah. those players and probably for Kay and his staff having all those guys back, man. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but by that time of year, you want to you stay in your little cocoon, don't you, in your little bubble and 
not have all this stuff? That was impossible. I'm glad yeah, you brought it, that I mean, up. You and I have been there when, you know, and, and, and like we have reunions and we have, we do our ring of honor and, and those guys come, we did Lafonso for the Kentucky game. I felt even more pressure. Number one, we needed to win the game, but, but all his teammates are back and, and, you know, Dantley goes up and all his teammates are back. And of course, Mike had a hundred guys back that that's just, and then if you're a freshman player or a sophomore player at Duke, you're looking around and going, I guess we better win this. Huh? It, it, you know, it, it's, it's unfair almost to the kids. And, uh, but somehow right now he's got the he's got the right mindset with them and they are just going for it. Is is Notre Dame is the basketball coach at Notre Dame is that a similar job to Duke? To to Duke? It it, it is in a way yeah. in, in that, you know, um uh in that, you know, the it's a great academic institution. Um you know, not everybody's going to be a fit for us. Um, now we have not been the one and done kind of place, even though we may be this year with Blake Wesley, you know, um, we've been more four and five year guys, um, but it's similar that way, but you know, then, you know, Notre Dame football pays a lot of bills up here and, and, uh, and, and absorbs a lot of attention. And sometimes that's good <laughs> for the basketball. So, sometimes right. that's good for the basketball coach. Um, you know, I, I, I kidded around. We were the day of the Rutgers game. It was a Wednesday. St. Patrick's Day was that Thursday. Before the game, I said to somebody, I said, well, St. Patrick's Day is Marcus Freeman's first football practice. So whatever happens tonight, they're going to be talking about the quarterback. <laughs> and I'm sure they were by three o'clock, even though we won in double overtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Calvin Sampson, when he went to Indiana, he told me, I can't, you know, he goes, we got 17,000 people for Chicago State on a Sunday. He goes, in Oklahoma, no one gave a shit until the damn spring practice. Nobody cared until after the BCS. You know, uh, not that people don't care, but it's a different deal when football's so big. It just It is. Just and, is. and, you know, I had, I had the 1AA version of it at Delaware. Delaware football, mm -hmm. when I went from Duke to Duke, Delaware, Delaware football was the show. Tubby Raymond, the wing tee. And we tried to find our little niche there to sell some tickets and get it going. But then it was spring football and one double-A playoffs. And so coming here was similar. I remember Rick Barnes telling me, and Rick obviously has done it three places. He was in Clemson at the time, and he said, Hey Mike, there's something to be said about you had a football place, you know, they they kind of leave you alone. Tubby Raymond used to have a line. He'd come down my, into my office the end of August, the week before his first game, and he'd go, Mike, I'm going to keep all these SOBs occupied till December, and then I'm <laughs> turning them over to you. I said, I got you, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> but it, hey, how – how have why have you been so successful there? What what you know? Every other place has run through seventeen. Yeah. You, the ACC. You know, there's a bunch of guys, but but other programs, man, they've run through guys. What what has made this a perfect fit for you? You know, it, it's um, I would never have thought of it as my dream job when I, I'm an East Coast guy, Danny, as you know, and I, I'm an I-95 guy, and I was at Delaware, but I think you know, coming out here and that they were in the Big East, it had that Eastern pull to it always. It always has. And then it has just been a great fit as far as I get the mission. 
you know, I get Notre Dame football. Um, I get the kind of kids we should get four and five year guys, guys that know how to play skill guys. We're always trying to get a little more athletic, you know, and, and that's always our challenge. And it's just been, it's just been a great fit. The you know, I, I've been in South Bend now 22 years. I got Indianapolis two hours south. I got Chicago two hours west. I can go hang out. I got my place in Florida. My grandchildren are down there. It, it's the quality of life. And and uh, and now, Danny, and, you know, I've had with this senior class, this will be 65 guys in 22 years. Those are sons. Those are 65 sons. And, you know, they come back and they got their families. It's what it's all about. I, I've been lucky to be at a place 22 years. Now I've only had two ADs and I've only had two presidents in 22 years. I've had six football coaches though. <laughs> <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like football guys come and go in Notre Dame. I, and, uh, and Mike Bray's still there. Mike Bray's still there. And you know, when it, when it gets a little crazy on the football side, I just hide under this desk. I just get under it and hide a little bit and uh, <laughs> let it blow over. <laughs> Hey, you had, I think, the original get old, stay old, but now everybody's stolen your stuff, man. You know, Dan, they are. And they have. Everybody's old I should have copyrighted that damn thing because more right. commentators use that. Tony Bennett at Media Day comes up to me in October goes, hey, we're going get old, stay old. And, and I was like, man, you guys have all caught up to me. But isn't college basketball really old because of it? I mean, there are men yeah. on the floor. And, and I think that's why it's so physical. I said this to our staff halfway through January. How good a year is Blake Wesley having? Because he's 18. And I said, when does he get to play against the 19-year-old? Because everyone in our, every guard in our league was 22. And he was still balling. I said, he's had a great year. I said, is there a 19-year-old coming up that he can play against? You just don't see that much anymore. <laughs> and uh, it's certainly has benefited us over time and I'm all about the transfer wire and we used it to, uh, uh, a lot at Delaware and it's been great to us here and we're on that uh, Ryan Humphrey came in uh, the other day he goes coach uh, every morning I read the Bible and check the portal I said change the order and, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say hey, Ryan Flip that, will you please? We got the Bible right Flip here. That, Let's baby. go to Cathedral. Hell, we're fine. Flip that. Priorities, priorities. Flip that, baby. <laughs> My son just got hired at, at Illinois State as an assistant, and he, you know, on the road for the first time, and he came home to, you know, throw all his crap in my house. And I'm being literal here. I, he, I barely saw him. Like he was, and I'm like, well, you recruiting? What are you doing, Dad? I'm, I've watched 25 guys this morning in the portal. And it's, do you have any restrictions? Like the, the Ivy League, my, my stepdaughter's playing there. You can't play an extra year no. at the Ivy League. Does Notre Dame have any of those restrictions? Or didn't they used to have those restrictions? We do I mean, no, we, we've been, you know, grad transfers, five-year guys. We, 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 we used to not want to say red shirt. And, and I, would, I would always, you know, red shirt. We don't, you know, five-year program. I would say we're going to put them on a five-year program that that came across a little better actually though we still list guys yeah. in their academic class so we confuse people on a roster you know 
Cormac Ryan was listed as a senior because he's going to graduate in a month, but he's got two years of eligibility. So we thoroughly confuse everybody on our roster. So we still have a, yeah. a little bit of that, but um, we've got our five-year guys, and Scott Martin was a six-year guy. <laughs> Man, I, how do you – all right, when, when you and I – when you were coming up, you had five years to play four. Like, do you – all right, Ryan Humphrey. Is Ryan – who's in charge of telling you what year these well, guys you know, are? We have a we have a thing on the board, um, you know, what classes, who's coming in, and – and I keep going looking. I go now, right. now. Wirtz has one year. Ryan has two. Correct? And they're like, yes. Well, wait. Let me check. And 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 it's we've never had that before. And and Dan, you remember this? You used to have a running roster of your opponents in the league. Okay, these guys are going to be sophomores. Here's who's leaving. We don't even do that anymore because there's eight new guys going to show up. Like at Wake Forest, Steve did a fabulous job. And a lot of people, Texas, let's just take seven of them. And and uh, and you got you don't even know them. You start watching them in December and go, I don't remember any of those dudes from last year. And, and so it, it's a it's a brave new world with it. And um, but we're gonna milk that portal as much as anybody. Yeah, I mean, he got no choice. Hey, uh, Villanova, you coached against Villanova, obviously, long time. What makes them so good? You know, Jay, first of all, Jay's demeanor. He's he's just um, poised, calm, and a confidence giver. And um, and I think you see a team offensively that really play with a free mind. You know, guys know they can go make plays, and they never have to look at the bench for a substitute, even take a couple bad shots. We're similar in that sense. Guys play with a free mind and go for it. And, and I think he's underrated. I think they've always been a little underrated defensively. They can really get out and get on you physically and athletically. When you, when you look at Kansas, what do you see? I think their team, I think they're the national champions. Uh, and they, they've kind of been no kidding, maybe hiding in the weeds or whatever. Cause you had Baylor in the lead and this and that. And I think, they are coming downhill on you right now physically. Their frame of mind is confident. They got enough weapons. They got enough bodies. I think they're the favorite, in my opinion. Somebody asked me the other day, I think I think, I think Kansas is going to win it. And, you know, Bill does an unbelievable job on both ends of the floor. But right now, the vibe around them is the best of the four, in my opinion. It, it, you've been involved in everything. NABC, you, you, you know, you've been involved off the court to help the game, to grow the game, you know, as much as anybody, and maybe in the history of basketball, college basketball. Is, the, is college basketball in a good place? I think we're in a really good place given what's happened in March, Dan, and we needed a March like this. The tournament returned to its regular format. We had a St. Peter's story, which was magical, and we've got a Duke, North Carolina final four semi matchup you could if Danny Gavitt could not have drawn this up any better and Emmert down there that we needed this and it's played out pretty good because we needed a shot in the arm and I think you know Saturday ratings are going to be off the charts so I, I'm really pleased because we've been 
floundering and wondering and you know it, it's 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 been a great return yeah. to march madness what's a day like i'll get you out with it what's a day like i know what a day like was as a player and as a coach for the indiana purdue game back in the day what what what's a day like when you're getting ready to play north carolina and you're on duke's staff particularly something like well, I guess it's never happened in the Final Four, but what, what, what would a day like be for Kay so people can understand it a little bit? Or same thing for you, I mean, you know, against whomever yeah. you're playing. But what's I a day like? I think there's uh, the, the, the tension and anxiety rises up. And, and I think all of us, I don't know how you were as a head coach, you kind of oh. try to, you know, put it off mentally till at least the shoot around and have a morning where you're, you're not suicidal. And, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, not out on the ledge and and not throwing up, maybe only throw up once in the morning and then four times after pregame meal. But uh, I, I mean, it, 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 it's funny. I was talking to Brad Stevens. I saw him out in Vegas when the Maui Classic was there. And we were talking about the angst of the profession and the angst of game day. And he actually saw me walking to pregame meal before we had to play Chaminade after losing to St. Mary's. Now, you talk about Carolina. If we lose to Chaminade that night, I'm not going back to South Bend. I'm not going home. I'm just staying in Vegas (laughs) and going to – that's it. I'm done. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm having a rough ego. He could see it in my face. And he looks so good because he doesn't have to deal with it right now. Right, but 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 Danny, Coach, you're the best though. But that's what we sign up for, right? I mean, my Go God, I, I said, uh, I said to our staff, what was it? Uh, you know, I know I'm a PE major, but I had a Henry David throw quote: "Most men live lives of quiet oh. desperation, not us basketball coaches, baby." <laughs> <laughs> No, man. I tell people ask me, "Hey, what was the most nervous you've ever been?" I said, "Home game against Finley, home game at Bowling Green against Finley. Twenty minutes down the road, Division Two team, we lose that one. You're done. I'm getting on a bus and I'm You're out done. of town. You're done. You're at, yeah, one. It's, we we it's, actually decided to play Bethel here locally to sell out our exhibition. I said, if they throw one in into buzzer, I'm going right to Florida. I'm going. <laughs> I said, I don't know about this. Who talked me into this? <laughs> And you're and for people that don't know, this right here is the most normal human being coaching <laughs> uh, basketball. Like you, I remember walking in, talked to you before game. Uh, your one dude, he's farting, <laughs> and we're laughing. Is <laughs> at Florida yes. State, and we're sitting there going, <laughs> like, oh man. And, and Danny, uh, that, anyway, that's well, when we these fre- that's when Leshevsky, Hub, and Goodwin were freshmen, and we finished fifteenth. And uh, so I was really faking it good that night. But thank God you have such a good sense of humor. I needed to see you. (laughs) Hey, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, man. It's so much fun to talk to you. Uh, I assume you're going to New Orleans. I assume you're going to see Duke Carolina, man. Enjoy all that. I know you're going to have a blast. And congrats. Thank you, buddy. We'll, We'll catch up in Indy. I'll see you at St. Elmo's, man. I can't wait. That's Mike Bray. He's awesome, man. Thank you, Mike. That he's just great. Every time you talk to him, man, it's just fun. It's just, it just is. And and nice of him to come on and spend a few minutes with us. We're gonna have Jonathan Hutton on in a minute and talk a little bit about NFL football. But Bray's the best, man. It's just you just laugh, 
And I swear to you guys, I swear to you, of all the college coaches out there, the two most normal when you walk into their office before a game, I'm talking about, you know, before the game, like team is on the court, is Mike Bray and Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim would be sitting there, like I've said, a TV about the size of this uh, computer screen, and he'll just be watching the game. Hey, what do you think about this uh, Delaware State team? They look pretty good. They're running some action. And Mike Bray will just be sitting, like I said, we're just farting. <laughs> it stunk so bad. I'm like, Jesus. And we're just laughing. You know, I mean, he's just normal. A lot of other guys are mean or angry. I was, I was a jackass. Oh, self-important. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back. We're going to get into some NFL stuff uh, with Jonathan, Jonathan Hutton. Did you know Disney will no longer use the words boys and girls at its theme park to stop offending people? That's why I love having this show. I love it because you can just make fun of stupid shit like that. Excuse my language. I'm trying not to swear. But how about that? We're not going to say boys and girls. This world is nuts. This world is insane. In freaking sane. I don't come at me all you'd like. Sheesh. You're not going to say boys and girls at Disney because you might offend who? I, the world is insanity, man. All right, we come back. Jonathan Hutton is going to join us. We're going to talk some NFL, and I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. Every day, every day, true story. Every day I turn on Outkick 360 at 3 o'clock Eastern time, and I listen to Paul and Chad and Jonathan every day. Jonathan Hutton, nice enough to join me. We're going to talk some NFL. All right. New rules in the NFL, the overtime rules specific to the playoffs. Where are you at with that? You good with that? I mean, I'm half good with it. I'm uh, Dan, by the way, congratulations on putting together one hell of a show. With don't at me. You were already doing that oh. with Indianapolis, right? You 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 you've got you had everything going on there, and it was great. The 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 lineup that you put together on a morning basis uh, on the Outkick Network is awesome. So props to you, sir. You set thank the bar you. in the morning that thank we have to follow, and we try to do that. So again, thank you. You guys kick I, ass. You guys absolutely kick ass. You you've set oh, the bar. So but let's understand that that's true that i am true. hoping that the overtime rules for the postseason set the bar moving forward for the regular season i'm just doubtful what's going to happen because of the tv networks um look I, this has kind of been my soapbox for a while and i'll keep saying it because the media for whatever reason keeps repeating what the nfl puts out there which is this is for the health and safety of the players and the last two years they've added a, a 17th game They've added two playoff teams, additional teams playing in the postseason, uh, which will lead to more injuries just based on sheer numbers. And after saying that they're not going to change the overtime rules for the health and safety and well-being of the players, they just changed them for the postseason. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't buy it one bit. This is about the TV networks. And and before you say, well, you know, CBS got, you know, they're willing to uh, run run past three hours and seven minutes on average for the postseason. Yeah, they are. 
because they put up the highest rated number in the divisional round since like 2017 when um, th this past postseason when the Chiefs and the Bills played and that game ended peaking at 51 million people watching their product. They'll carry past 60 minutes or whatever is on on Fox with uh, what could be American Idol or anything else. So they can they, the networks want to get to their local news on time. They want their, all their affiliates to be happy and not be working overtime. That's what this comes down to. And the NFL wants to point the health and safety because they want to appear as though that they're looking out for their players. If they're really looking out for their players, Dan, they'd be wearing those cushion helmets 24-7, 365 whenever they kick off. Instead, they're only mandated to wear them now for the first three weeks of training camp. So, again, like I, 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 uh, it's a bit of a soapbox for me because I don't like ties. I'm not, I'm not into, I want a winner and a loser. And if you're giving us that in the, in the postseason now, by all means, we should have it in the regular season. And unfortunately it's going to come down to a week 17 matchup in a win and end scenario. Not saying it happens this year. It may not happen for another five, six, seven years, but it's a divisional matchup in week 17. We know that that's how the league schedules. And it could come down to Mahomes and Herbert with a win and end scenario as good as that division is, or Herbert and Wilson having a shootout and one one guy doesn't get the football, but the following week he would. That that's ultimately what would change things. That is what would change. There's 100 percent that would change. Why they do it for the playoffs? Um, yeah. Part of my problem is this. All right, I'm going to take that part aside, and, and let me know what you think. I, what was it, 70 75% of teams that won the flip won the game, right? I mean, that's what we've seen. And I get that. You got you want to balance it out. But, damn, man, when I uh, football defensive coordinators, football players played a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. Part of me wants to say stop somebody. Play the game. I, I don't know. I, and I know I'm no, wrong about that. No, I know I, I am because I, I want defenses to – to you know step up and play the game as well but you know if it's not an overtime situation and someone gets burned defensively or they get called for a pass interference my immediate reaction is well the the rules are set up for the offense to win you know so i i, I it's an offensive league and and while defenses you know stepped yeah. up and made some big plays in the postseason which is all true it's not like we had these massive 40 point games in the postseason um, it's a quarterback league. That's where the, the millions upon millions of, of money lie. The majority of your cap is in your veteran quarterback. And, you know, and unfortunately for the bills, they just invested in Josh Allen and their best player was on the bench and didn't have a chance to possess the football. H had this been Taylor Heineke against Cam Newton, we wouldn't be talking about this today because no one would have cared that one of those two quarterbacks didn't possess the football. We're, we're th I'm, I'm thankful that we had Mahomes and, and Allen put on a show and that we, we saw massive numbers and the networks are willing to move forward with it. I want to go to something you said there, uh, Jonathan. The pass interference rule, man, that's a big-ass yeah. penalty. You think that should be amended? Well, I mean, I, it's it's it just a, it, the – I don't want the, the college rule either where it's the spot foul – um, and it, it's, it, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation. I think they should call more offensive pass interference than they do just to even it out. Uh, because there is a lot of pushing and shoving and separation that goes on. Uh, I'm for less flags though, altogether. So if they want to amend the rule, that's cool. The, the one thing that, um, just to, just to jump over to what the USFL is doing, I'm intrigued to see how it works is unless it is an intentional 
like legitimate, like you, you were just tackling a guy on purpose to keep him from catching the football 15 yards or more downfield. It's just 15 yards on the penalty. Um, so it is, if it's like, if, if the referee says, Hey, you know, this was, this was uh, egregious, but not intentional. Like you fouled him, but not intentional. It's just a 15 yard penalty instead of what could be a 55 yard flip of the field or whatever it might be. Right. So um, I'm, I'm eager to see how they actually, you know, officiate that aspect of the rule, but the the NFL has set it up where they're putting points on the scoreboard. So I don't mind the fact that they're they're leaning towards more exciting play, and ultimately the defensive pass interference leads to points. Hey, I want to go to something else here real quick because I just looked up here and I wanted to talk to you about this. Uh, Robert Kraft, for the first time, I'm not saying he criticized Belichick, but there is a saying in coaching, if they'll fire Bobby Knight at Indiana, they'll fire you. You know, I mean, every college co- coach is like, mm. um I'm not reading I, – I, I'm kind of reading between the lines here. Do you think his discussing three years of no playoff wins is a sign that he's getting restless with Belichick? About uh, not being able to, to, to see what's going on around the rest of the league. I mean, um, I, I, I understand that he's had it very, very good, right? Like, and he, and he's one of the yes. top owners in the league yes. when it comes to, you know, putting, putting things back into the team and making sure that they have everything. He's also had the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback for his franchise, uh, which is a huge perk as well. The, the, the fact that we just in November, the first of November, the country for the most part, if you said, who is your Super Bowl favorite? And you, you heard like the common fan named three teams. I think they would have named the Patriots as one of those three teams. They, they were on a roll. They started slow out of the gates and then took off with uh, a, a, a team that was defensive and uh, defensive minded and, and had the rookie quarterback. And they were doing a lot of things well to, to mask bringing the rookie along and Mac Jones. I thought they were pretty good considering it was the rookies you know, first year, but Mac Jones first year. And you were just a a year or a year and a half removed from Brady being gone. One of those playoff losses, by the way, is Brady in the wild card round against the Titans in Foxborough. So I I don't think Belichick's on hot water. Um, I'm simply not buying it, especially given the fact that his team's not playing in the NFC West. I mean, and they don't have to play the NFC West, NFC, uh, excuse me, AFC West. AFC West plays the AFC South this year. AFC East and North will face off against each other. To me, that's that's a much easier bout than than what the the South has to deal with dealing with the, all the load up in the West. All right, you you have a soapbox. I have a soapbox. I'm curious. Like, I I, I don't get the world we live in, and I'll be very yeah. open about that. I I think the world is upside down. We got 22 women still with civil suits against Deshaun Watson, and he goes and gets this massive contract. I I ask where where are women's groups with this? Where, where where's the media with this? I it seems like well he's not going to be charged criminally, so 22 cases doesn't matter. I've seen cases where one mattered. I, what, what what's going on here with with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? He's a really, really great player. That's what it comes down to. And that's the harsh reality of the league, uh, regardless of, of how you see it. I mean, um, I, I, at first, I don't think the media coverage of the story has been very good um, and thorough. Like, it, 
Um, you know, the NCAA doesn't investigate things either, but they have Yahoo, uh, you know, and, and that crew who will dive. You know, they had the Charles Robinsons of the world who dove in and did investigative reporting. Or you had outside the lines on ESPN. Um, it, the NFL said they didn't have enough information um, from from law enforcement, so they weren't going to act. This was last year. And the reaction was, oh, I, I guess we can't get information. You know, the NFL can't get it. No one can. And that's just BS. I mean, that, that's never stopped in NCAA investigative reporting. The reporters break the news and then the NCAA comes in and gets that information. And for as much as these attorneys talk, I mean, I would think some of these guys would talk off the record to reporters as well. There's been I mean, I'm not saying that it hasn't been covered. It's been covered, but there's been no digging. There's been no earth shattering news unless it comes out of, you know, court appearances, depositions, or whatever the attorneys want to give, whenever they want to give a, a, a recent press conference. There's not much to this. Um, and then beyond that, it was guilty until proven innocent. And lo and behold, the, the grand jury didn't press, didn't press forward with the indictment twice on, on 10, 10 counts, or uh, 10 cases. So uh, I'm not, defending Deshaun Watson and the actions where there's uh, there's a lot of smoke there with with 22 accusations in civil court but at the you know at the same time the the NFL allowed the trade to go through Goodell said yesterday he's not putting him on the commissioner's exempt list because if they do that they would be you know half punishing a guy before they hand down full punishment it's either going to be suspension and fines or it's going to be nothing at all and there's not going to be an exempt list and until this investigation is complete we're not going to know anything it's it's bizarre and it all led to him having complete control of everything and by the way if he's suspended there's some out there that say oh players want to play that's fine players want to get paid they want cash and this guy just loaded up on cash and has a million dollar base salary give or take a hundred thousand dollars a million dollar base salary this year so if he's suspended that's the pool of money that will come out of his check where he's getting a couple hundred thousand dollars a game and not the millions upon millions that's fully guaranteed to him. The Browns served this up and gave him quite the, quite the deal. And, you know, it's just, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, here comes a suspension. It's not going to be very punitive. It'll be punitive for the Browns, but, but not Deshaun Watson. Doesn't say, again, the way I look at this, it doesn't say a lot of, for Baker Mayfield that the Browns made this kind of a deal with that particular guy, well, does okay, it? Think about this. Let, let's look around at the other owners who were in the mix. So let's go right down to Atlanta and Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank was considering Deshaun Watson over Matt Ryan. Think and, 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 and willing to take a $40 million dead cap hit to trade Matt Ryan if they got down the path of Deshaun Watson choosing them. That, 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 like, that tells you where the ownership fell on, is Deshaun Watson better than your quarterback? That multiple owners thought he was elite and believe he's elite. I do. I mean, he's an excellent QB. Um, so the upgrade on the field for ownership in Cleveland and the search for the guy, which is now like 25 quarterbacks deep. Um, you make the move and you, you step forward into a, an upper threshold of quarterback play that you haven't reached in a long, long time. So, I mean, on the field, it's a great move off the field. Who knows? You know, it, the, the saga continues here and it resets the a bar 
and it's a steep one for these future quarterback contracts. I'm, I'm sure Steve Bashotti in Baltimore is not liking the, the guaranteed money that was handed out because he's in the batter's box with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, he already said that, right? He's not yeah. he's not happy with it. Uh, look, I the you, you said earlier, you know, people say players want to play. It didn't seem to bother Deshaun Watson not to play. He got paid too. He was paid. You know I mean? Dan, I mean, Dan he got paid like ten million. Got, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, what a, you? I, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, and I, I can even take the money out of it for just a second. I've never seen anything like it where your best player isn't suspended mm-hmm. in a league where you just have to win. I mean, let's be honest. The NFL, you can talk about whatever, but you got to win. You got 17 games. I don't give a damn about headlines. You got to win. And here's a guy hanging out at your facility doing whatever he wants. You're paying him, but he ain't playing. I, it, let's even go back. And then let's go back see, just a couple months, you, though. Like, uh, let's go before the demand for you know uh, suspension by all of us. Looking at the thirty thousand foot view of all the facts of this and what was in this in these accusations, which is you know crazy when you read through some of this, these accounts. Prior to that, yeah, um, he had just received like. 10 months earlier, a $100 million contract from Houston. And the season yes. ends the 1st of January, the Titans win the AFC South. And then that following week, he demands a trade. He wants out. And this was before all this stuff went down. So he was already out the door after just a few months prior signing pen to paper and seemingly being very happy with Houston. It's all a very bizarre thing. And then on top of that, Danny had a no trade clause. So he was in charge of literally everything. If he, the offer that we saw where, where Houston received those three first round picks and a couple, you know, others as well. Um, if Deshaun Watson didn't want to go to Cleveland, there's nothing Houston could do about it. They'd had to move on and go to the next team. And, and, you know, there were qualifying offers, but I mean, qualifying to Deshaun Watson, Watson got to approve that, not the Texans. He was in complete control of all this. And now he has what I call the NBA contract for the NFL where he can he's he might be one of about three or four players who today could walk into their owner's office and get someone fired if they wanted it and and Watson's one of those guys yeah. I'm telling you it it is amazing all right let's stay with quarterback who's best quarterback AFC South it's a great question it's a great radio discussion sports radio discussion because yeah yeah Dan, it's it's fascinating to me because Matt Ryan's leading receiver last year was Russell Gage. And when you consider that Matt Ryan threw for 4,000 yards, that's that's pretty incredible uh, with the injuries and the lack of a run game. He's going to a, a, a really solid offensive line, veteran offensive line. Um, both quarterbacks, both Ryan and Tannehill, are going to be in a run-first offense which is intriguing, especially for Matt Ryan, who's going to be 37 when the season kicks off. Both quarterbacks are feeling a lot of pressure. Um, you know, it, Tannehill's under pressure to go win in the postseason and and not be the the guy who holds the team back in the biggest moments. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan, I don't think he's he's had you know a 10 win season in years. Um, he, he's going to an organization that that feels like they've they've just taken a, a huge step forward. It's, it's going to be a fun conversation all offseason long. I, I think I, I would give the benefit to Tannehill barely, and it's 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 not by much, but it's for the mobility factor. 
Um, other than that, I think it's a very even discussion. And you could even say in, in some cases, Ryan's an upgrade uh, based on the playoff moments that he's had minus the Super Bowl. But they, they, they're they each facing a lot of, uh, you know, they've got, they got a lot of weight on their shoulders, Dan, to, to prove a point in, in 2022. And, and for Ryan, it's a breath of fresh air for, for him because he goes from a veteran who was on a rebuilding team to now being the guy who can save the Colts and, and Ursay's uh, temperament moving forward to go win in the postseason. What do you think on that, by the way? Did you see what Ursay said? I think you're abs- – I, look, I, I think you got a better quarterback than Carson Wentz in terms of thinking. you got a slow guy, which is, you know, that's fumbled a lot. I mean, people go to 12 interceptions, but he also had 11 fumbles. I think that of the situation that the Colts were in, they did about as well as they could. I'm just disappointed that they got in that situation yeah. because they sold all of us, Jonathan, a bill of goods on, on Wentz and Reich and this relationship, you know, and this. So, I, you know, but I do think this. I think you guys have always made good points about Tannehill. Here we are. Are you good enough when it comes down to the playoffs? Are you good enough? And, and that's the question you guys have asked, and it's a great question. It's the only pertinent question right now with Tannehill. He's good enough in the regular season, right? I mean, I, that to me, and you guys, you're right. I mean, last year he's thrown interceptions in the playoffs. So I, I think it's interesting. I, you know what else I think? I, and you can't answer this, and I can't either probably. I don't know. But what do you think of the new Rooney rule about you have to hire a minority or you have to hire a woman? I don't, I don't like the idea of forcing teams to do anything hiring wise. I, I want, I, I would love to be able to force everyone to hire the best candidate. Um, factor of matter is that just doesn't happen in any realm of corporate business. I mean, um, everybody's been in a situation regardless of gender or race and, and when it comes to hiring practices where you know that they've opened up um, the, the window for, um, resumes, right. Simply to appear as though that they're combing the the country for the best qualified candidate for whatever it might be, might be, you know, senior writer. It might be program director, uh, operations manager, executive vice president, but the, the hiring, those doing the hiring know exactly who they're going to hire. If it's from within or whatever it might be, if, See, to me, Dan, if, if, a, if a coach wants to elevate one of his own or if an owner wants to elevate someone within the, the organization, uh, which the Steelers have done for years and years and years, that, that to me is the best hiring practice. You're, you're grooming your own to step up into bigger roles um, instead of having to bring people from the outside in. And that, 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 that's me holding zero bias to it. If, if someone from the outside is the more qualified candidate, I'd love for them to get it. Um, I'm, I'm simply saying, I don't think that's realistic and forcing ownership to hire people. Ultimately, they're just going to hire an extra staff member or, or someone within the organization or someone on the coaching staff and add to their pool of already talented coaches instead of someone getting a job over someone else. I think they'll just create a new position. That that's, that's how I read into the, the mandate from the league. Yeah, me too. Uh, we got a couple quarterbacks. Interesting. Cam Newton sniffing around. You, if if I put gun to head, is Cam Newton a quarterback in the NFL next year? A starting quarterback? Um, I think he could. He could. He could do it in Carolina, and he could start in Seattle. 
So if Cam Newton is willing to go to one of those two teams, and he says that it sounds like the, the Panthers are considering bringing him back, but I wouldn't be guaranteed starting uh, starting position. Look, it, his his time has come and gone, though, as far as like the, the MVP caliber guy. Um, you know, it's been well documented, the physical pounding that, that took a toll on him uh, with his style. And he was fun. He was an outstanding player. But aside from just being a very qualified backup to come in and start that has a unique skill set, which he still does, I'm not sure what Cam Newton's offering at this stage of his career. From from 2011 to, what, 2018, the first eight years of his career, he ran for like 5,000 yards, which is the second most in the league to Russell Wilson during that time span. And I don't think he's pulling that off again. So – I would say predominantly running quarterbacks just don't survive long-term, and this is another case of that. I, he can stay in the league. I, I don't want him out of the league, but at the same time, no one's clamoring to bring him in unless he's willing to either A, battle for a starting role uh, and be guaranteed nothing, or go in and be a backup the same way Jameis Winston approached things. Uh, but it, those, those guys are at completely different stages of their career. I'm not. Are you surprised at all? And, and I, I assume this is true. John Lynch said it. Are you surprised at all, Jonathan, that uh, that they're not looking to move Jimmy G in, in San Francisco? A little Francisco? bit, yeah. I, I'm more surprised that teams. Um, Lynch said that he had not fielded offers from anyone, yeah. um, which can be read two ways. Number one, that the the other teams were waiting on the medical stuff and to see how things shook out through, you know, agents talking to AD, you call, you call his agent and you ask about another player say, Oh, by the way, how's Garoppolo's shoulder? Um, the other way to say it is you could also, if you're the 49ers, tell him he's allowed to go seek a trade. And I guess they haven't done that either because he's allowed to go seek a trade. He would bring back something. I, I, I don't see him coming back as the backup for 26 million on his final year of his contract. That's that's a steep prize for a backup. And it tells you how wealthy that contract was for Jimmy G at the time. I Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's still on the 49ers roster. Um, at the same time, normally, we're just now cranking up the trade discussion. Uh, well, I should say the, the old normal. You're just now cranking it up going into the draft. Like, hey, will this guy be traded during Thursday night's first round? Um, so it could still happen then, and it could be used as some type of draft collateral for San Francisco if they want it. And I think there there are some teams that that would be interested in him um, for you know a, a, a potential guy that you're starting that you're also pairing him with a young quarterback the same way they did with Trey Lance, um, or you you bring him in for you know a, a bridge so to speak before you get to next year's draft. But I I. If you would have asked me, hey, Hutt, is uh, is Garoppolo on the 49ers roster April 1st? I would have said absolutely not. And and here we are. He's, you know, he's still a 49er. And maybe, maybe that's a signal they're not ready for Trey Lance to take over. I, I would I would say it's it's time for Trey Lance to take over based on what they gave up for him. But Shanahan knows better than I do on that. Last thing, what do you guys got on today? What are you doing at 3 o'clock Eastern? Man, we're going to talk some hoops today, a lot of it. It's time to discuss the Final Four. Um, we would normally have you on. I know you've got some some scheduling things. You're going to be on with us tomorrow, which is going to yeah. be – it's going to yep. be can't miss Final Four preview with Dan Dockage on Outkick 360. Uh, today we're going to have Brandon Wright, 12-year NBA vet, former Tar Heel, 
um, and uh, one and done at North Carolina. He's going to join us in studio here in Nashville, and we're going to break down Duke and Carolina and the fact that the final meeting uh, against Duke and Coach K comes in the final four is is pretty cool. And, and and I've also heard from some Tar Heels and some Blue Devils. They say it's not as good for the rivalry as what the the casual fan thinks. I'm I'm going to ask him why. I'll tell you why. Uh, both are nervous yeah. as hell. <laughs> both are uptight. Like, you know, Carolina was getting out of this year having beaten Duke the last time. Uh, it's good for Duke, right? Except if think about this. If Hubert Davis ends, ends the career at home of Mike Krzyzewski, then ends the career in the final four lifetime contract. Just no sign doubt. it. He's done. What oh, a boost. What a boost for Hubert Davis, right? right? Like to, to beat Coach K and, and send oh. him off into retirement. I mean, that would be – that would be quite the the moment for for a, a young head coach. That is forever in Chapel Hill. Like that that is like I was at Chapel Hill the day before the first Duke North Carolina game, and the T-shirts and you know Colin K a rat. All this it was unbelievable. It was so much fun to just watch, and. And I could only imagine moving forward, you know, I'd, I'd be curious what Brandon Wright would say because moving forward, that would never leave Carolina. That would always be in a bookstore, that game. It's a hell of an opportunity, well, man. Hey, appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for coming up. Go I'm ahead. just going to say it, it, it's quite the way to go out, right? Like, it's just – it's it's perfect. It's Woo. perfect. Given the fact that we thought we saw the final meeting at Cameron Indoor and now we get it in the final four in New Orleans, it's 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 perfect for sports. Perfect. Thank you. Thank my you, friend. Dan. You're Have the best. Show. I got it. Oh, yeah. That's Jonathan Hutton, ladies and gentlemen. Outkick 360. There's really no reason to leave here. Uh, I want to thank Mike Bray. He was terrific. Tim Doyle, terrific. Jonathan Hutton, terrific. Tomorrow, I know I've got Michael Lewis, the new head coach of uh, Ball State, but he was also has been the assistant coach at UCLA. I want to talk to him as he breaks down the Final Four. He was just in the Final Four. Last year, I'm going to try to get a couple of other people. Probably my guy, Jason Hammer. All he does is win us money. Uh, Dylan, Ryan, thanks to everybody. Hope you all have a great day. Remember, we are on from 12 to 3 at 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. If you want to join us, go to 107.5thefan.com or wherever you listen to radio stations. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Dockage out!